Welcome to Descriptive, a podcast about JavaScript and other things. I'm your host, Khalil, and this is episode one, kind of a bit of everything. Today's guest is Philip Roberts. He is a freelance JavaScript developer currently working for And Yet. He also is a speaker and, according to his Twitter bio, an ethicist. Welcome to the show, Phil. Hi, Khalil. Hi. Can you, can you please tell me what is an ethicist? <laughs> uh, that's a good question. Um, I think that ended up in my bio, um, or ended up in my and yet bio, um, and so I stole it for Twitter. Oh, uh, okay. <laughs> I think I think it basically comes from me worrying a lot and having uh, maybe an overly strong moral compass that uh, sometimes stops me doing the things maybe I should do. So um, I don't know, just uh, worrying about what's right, I guess, even if I'm not very good at knowing what the answers are. Okay, cool. Um, all right, so a few weeks ago I saw you speak uh, at JSConf EU. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, you, had, you, you, had, uh, you held your talk there about the event loop. I really enjoyed the talk, uh, but just for the listeners, can you just give them a summary of what you or your talk was about? Sure. Um, so basically it was um, a kind of visual look at the JavaScript kind of runtime. So breaking down, um, like, how does JavaScript actually work? So rather than, you know, how does the language work and the syntax and everything else, like, um, how does it actually work at the runtime level? So how does V8 or whichever engine um, your browser is using, how does that interact with the browser? Um, and then what's this thing called the event loop, which you might have heard of? Um, and kind of showing how like things like asynchronous uh, callbacks and stuff work inside JavaScript. So it's basically like a kind of a beginner's lesson in all those things that maybe you never learned but should have done um, to help you kind of understand how JavaScript works a bit better. And and how did you how did you end up researching all that stuff? Huh. Um, basically, like two years ago um, at Scotland JS. Um, a conference here in Edinburgh. Um, someone was talking about something sort of similar, um, and I suddenly realized that I didn't really know how JavaScript worked. Like I could use it and I could write code in it and build stuff, but I didn't really understand the runtime. And I didn't do a computer science degree, so like I only had a vague understanding of things like call stacks and what that kind of stuff actually meant. Mm -hmm. um, so I kind of just ended up like trying to figure out all that stuff and trying to find documentation or descriptions of it, and I just couldn't find it. Um, so then basically over like the course of 18 months, I just um, like kept digging in, doing like experiments in the browser, you know, to see how async stuff worked, um, mm -hmm. and trying to build this visualization like that would take JavaScript code and visualize how the runtime's working while it's running. Um, yeah, that was that was pretty awesome. So how how did how does that work? How did you build that? <laughs> um, it's kind of crazy. Um, it was a long, in terms of how I built it, it was just a long uh, time and a number of attempts and various hacks to make it actually work. But um, basically, it takes JavaScript code, runs it through a Sprema, which is a JavaScript parser written in JavaScript that. Um, Gives you an abstract syntax tree out, which is basically like a, it's basically a giant JSON blob exactly explaining your code, um, and then I can annotate that um, 
with events to say, hey, this function's about to be run, or um, you know, this callback or this timer was just queued or whatever. Um, so, okay. I, so, so you go through through that JSON file. Yeah. So basically, take take the code, um, convert it into this JSON representation of the code, modify it by adding all this instrumentation in, mm -hmm. and then convert it back into code. Um, <laughs> okay. Sh ship it to a web worker, which basically then runs through the code, um, sending events back to the UI thread that basically allow me to visualize all the stuff that's going on inside it. It makes a lot more sense if you actually go play with it. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so do so you actually have it online somewhere so people can can play around with it? Yeah. Um, the there's sparse documentation on how to actually use it, but um, it's at latentflip.com/loop l-o-u-p-e. Um, yeah. So you can go play with it there and uh, and kind of get a sense of the runtime. Um, my talk from Scotland JS is online on Vimeo. Mm -hmm. It's called. Uh, Oh, what's it called? Help, I'm stuck in an event loop. Um, and the JSConf you talk video should be online soon, too. So that, that will kind of show you the basics of the stuff. Anyway. Yeah, cool. So I'm, I'm going to link those, uh, those videos up in cool. the show notes. Yeah, I can definitely recommend it. I, th I thought it was very enlightening. Because I think um, it, for me it is, or it was just uh, like for you, I didn't, really know how the internals work, um, how the call stack and the event loop work. And I think that um, since a lot of JavaScript developers are, um, they kind of uh, taught themselves how to do JavaScript yeah. very often um, and never kind of dove into those things. I think that is very valuable. Uh, yeah. Well, the other thing I think is kind of interesting is if you come from Apart from like weird things like action scripts or whatever, um, if you come from almost, almost any other language, mm -hmm. they don't have these concepts. Like, so while, I don't know, Ruby or something feels syntactically somewhat similar to JavaScript, it doesn't actually have this um, async kind of flow in it. Um, and so it takes some time when you're transitioning from a more traditional language into JavaScript to actually realize, oh, you know, the reason I'm, I can't map these concepts directly is because it is different. It's not just syntactically different. It's like a different kind of runtime. It's a different way of running code. So, Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, and, and I, I, from the feedback from, uh, from your talk that I saw on Twitter, uh, many people that already used the, what was it, set timeout zero or something like that mm. uh, thingy, uh, where you can basically tell JavaScript to execute something after the whole call stack is done, something like that. Like people already used that, but they never knew yeah. why it worked, how it worked. Yeah, exactly. So, so that is, I think, a big uh, lesson that people can take away from that <clears throat> visualization. <clears throat> yeah. yeah, I hope so. Anyway. Yeah, for sure. Um, cool. Um, so, yeah. So, how did you find your your stay in Berlin? Was that the first time you were in Germany, or have you been here before? No, I I came over once. Um, a few months ago, my wife was over for a conference, so I came, I kind of tagged along and worked from there for a few days. Um, it's a fun city. It's kind of, uh, it's a lot bigger than Edinburgh, so uh, it was yeah. kind of eye-opening. And I don't feel like we did it justice in the few days we had, but... Um, yeah, of course. It's, it's fun. It's fun and weird as a city. I don't know. I liked it. Did you enjoy JS Conf uh, EU as a whole? Yeah, I thought it was... I thought it was excellent. I uh, I was speaking late on the second day, so I was kind of 
polishing and working on loop and stuff, like hacking all the way through the whole thing. So I didn't probably wasn't quite as engaged as I could have been with the actual conference, but the stuff I the talks I saw and the like intro and the food and stuff was all amazing. Mm-hmm. It was a really really well thought out experience, I thought. Yeah, yeah, totally agree. <clears throat> So um, tell me a little bit, a little bit about yourself. How did you get started with JavaScript? Um, that is a good question. Um, basically, I well at uni I was an electronic engineer um, and worked in the industry for a little bit, but um, kind of saw the web as a better fit for me, um, and ended up. Uh, co-founding a startup uh, with a friend of mine called Float, which is like a cash flow forecasting tool for small businesses. And uh, I was kind of the developer, so I was doing everything. Like back end was in Rails, front end was you know like spaghetti jQuery stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, and basically, found like the more I learned about front end stuff, and the more that we wanted to make the tool like more interactive. Um, I was doing just more and more stuff in the browser and really um I don't know, find find it a good fit. Like I'm not I'm not a designer for sure, but I kinda care about user interaction, design, front end stuff. Um and since I can, you know, could pick it up and learn to code, it kind of just is a really nice fit, you know. For me. So So you taught yourself to code basically for that startup? Oh, did that work? Yeah, yeah. Um I you know, I'd been doing some like freelancey sites before um, just in well initially like PHP and then some Django um, and then yeah basically learnt Rails and most of my JavaScript stuff on the kind of as I needed to so you learn quick when you're the only dev you know <laughs> yeah um, I'm sure so so you founded that startup with a friend wow. yeah yeah okay and and how did that end up is it still is it still live or yeah, still going. They're they're doing well. Um, oh, cool. Yeah. Um, basically, uh, it got to the point where I was pretty um, pretty burnt out, I guess, as the dev and uh, the only dev, and um, we were going to raise some money, which was kind of the right thing for the company to do, but um, just didn't didn't really fit with where I wanted to be and what I wanted to do. So I kind of moved on at that point. Um, but yeah, it's still going strong. Still friends with Colin. The, Co-founder and uh, yeah, I'm excited to see them. Hopefully, keep keep growing and succeed. You know. Yeah, great. So 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 you left there, and what was the the next thing you did? I joined and yet then. Oh, okay. So did you know them already? How did that uh, happen? How did that come together? It's kind of a, another like weird, long, drawn out process. Um, <laughs> basically, like I don't know, four five years ago. Um, we had just launched like, you know, the very early beta or alpha of float, um, just like a really ugly first version. And we're kind of looking for beta testers and stuff. And, uh, I think about the same time and yet had launched their initial beta of and bang, which is our like team chat sort of productivity app. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I can't remember who signed up for who first, you know, we, we thought, oh yeah, team chat, that looks useful and signed up for it. And they saw our sign up and thought cash flow looks useful and signed up for float and uh it didn't really work out in either direction for for various reasons but um it meant i got to know adam and henrik a little bit like followed them on twitter they're the two kind of main 
main people at Andy at. And uh, mm -hmm. so, yeah, just kind of uh, got to know them. Henrik was doing loads of backbone stuff, which, which I was as well. And, and then, yeah, I spoke at uh, Real Time Conf EU. Uh, was it two years ago? Or, yeah, two years ago, I think. And uh, which Adam helped helped run, so I got to meet him there, and and Henrik, and a few of the other people in the team. And what 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 was your talk about? My talk there was about um, there's a library called uh, Bacon.js. It's like a functional reactive programming uh, library. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so that was another like fun talk. That's like a really visual kind of rundown of how stuff works. Is that online too? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'll find it. Yeah. So yeah, anyway, basically got to know the, you know, Adam and Henrik and just thought they were great and uh was kind of burnt out on on my startup. And then kind of the end of the story was at the closing talk of Real Time Conf EU, Adam did this kind of amazing closing speech about how as an industry we need to get better about talking about our feelings and, you know, not just constantly focusing on the technical aspect of things, like thinking about people too. And so I wrote him this massive like 2,000 word email that was like, I'm totally burnt out on my startup stuff. I don't know what the hell to do. <laughs> and uh, he had some really good advice and was just like, no pressure, but if you're if you need a change, there's there's a job for you here. So, oh wow, that's kind of how that panned out. So nice. that was kind of crazy, but this worked out well. Okay, so you said you used Backbone a lot. Did you use that at Float to yeah. structure your code? Yeah, we were kind of. We started working on stuff like before Angular and Ember were really, really around, you know. Or if they were, they certainly weren't really seen as a viable option at that point. So, yeah, Backbone was kind of the, the thing, and then, you know, stuck with it. So yeah, yeah. So okay, so so you ended up at End Yet. So End Yet is where you're working right now. Uh -huh. <clears throat> um. So what is? So you already said. One of the founders or main guys there, he was talking about how people are are important and to talk about feelings and stuff like that. Mm. Can you go a little bit more into that? Like, what is and yet about? Um, what do they do, or what do you do? What is the what is the philosophy? Huh. So I guess the like the short answer is that we're mainly like a sort of a development shop. Like we do client projects, uh, mostly real-time web, JavaScript type, type stuff. Um, but we're kind of, I don't know, there's kind of a lot more to it than that. Um, we do, we're working on some product stuff. Talkie.io is one. It's like a WebRTC video chat, like Skype replacement or Hangouts replacement. We're working on that and some other stuff. Um, but we also do training. Uh, Henrik and I did some training earlier in the year, and Henrik's still doing that. Um, like JavaScript training, mm -hmm. and we ran real-time conf for a few years and some other conferences. So we're kind of uh, a bit of everything. <laughs> but um, but yeah, I, I guess uh, well, a bit of. I mean, I checked out the website, and it, it looks like, um, especially recently, like there's a lot of new stuff. <laughs> but it, it, I wouldn't say it's like a bit of everything. It looks very focused. I mean, it's. Huh. It's it's, I mean at least at least that's what I see behind it. It's like okay, we do, we do everything in JavaScript. We do JavaScript training. We do we have this Empus and JS uh, framework. We uh, have a platform, and it all kind of works, 
kind of works together. That's that's the feeling that I get. Well, that's nice to hear that from the outside it sounds coherent. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> so, so it's not like that? I don't know. I guess like uh, the training we do is um, is pretty unusual. The conferences we run are pretty pretty crazy. So I don't know. It's an interesting place to work. Anyway, I'll say that. Okay. And then you said you asked about philosophy. Like, I mean, fundamentally, it's about people. Like that's our focus. Like, um, yeah, we care about like our team. All care about each other a lot. Um, and like the communities they live in and work in and the industry and the world. So I don't know. It's like a, everything we do is to try and benefit people in some way, whether that's us or other companies or, um, or the community. So yeah, I think Adam's, uh, probably summary of the philosophy would be people first. And that definitely comes through when you work there. Right. So, so does that also mean, uh, for instance, when you build, um, when you build an application, like you focus on, like the, the primary focus is on the user, the user experience, uh, the people who use that software. Uh, yeah. Is th that's always in the focus, I guess, then. And it's yeah, not necessarily, sure. uh, oh, we have to do this. It has to be like this or that because the client says, I mean, is there a kind of, because what, what I, what I see, um, is that there's sometimes a conflict between, oh. What the, what the client wants you to do, like this other company maybe that hires you, uh -huh. and what is actually really good for the user. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think, and that's something obviously you have to, to balance as a development shop. Um, I think we build very by being like by trusting our clients and and you know working really well with them and communicating with them a lot. Um, we build a lot of trust up in us from them, and that helps enable us to kind of, you know, push them in the right direction. Which is to say, like, you know, if you think about your users first, here's all the here's all the benefits that um, you'll get long term. You know, and everyone will everyone will benefit from rather than maybe what's like a short sighted view on where to go. But um, yeah, I don't know. It's an interesting question, but um, yeah, so. so so do you actually do experience like uh, friction there sometimes? So do you have to, or is it always okay? Like you can you can you maybe also are you in a in the fortunate position to be able to to pick a little bit what you're working on or which what clients yeah. you have? Yeah, for sure. Um, we we don't you know we won't just take like if if work doesn't if the product that we're working on or whatever doesn't fit. Fit for us, you know, as a company, we won't we won't work on it. I guess it's the fundamental, right? Uh, okay, that's pretty cool. And um, do the products you have, um, like the end yet products, mm -hmm. are those all? I'm not sure. Are they, do people pay for to use them, or are they all free? How, how does that work? Um, not significantly yet, um, but we're working on that. Um, yeah, I don't know how much I can say on various things actually, but um, yeah, we're working working hard to um, to try and build like revenue from product, partly just for you know company stability and also just because we love building stuff for end users and product is a great way to kind of connect with actual users, you know. Yeah. And and what are you personally working at um, uh, working on at Endyet? That's your job. Um, 
kind of a real real range um some client stuff um some internal stuff i'm working on ampersand um and some like internal kind of build stuff um and also the sort of platform thing that you mentioned earlier um which is still kind of under development but um should really help us uh kind of engage with some kind of clients that we uh we want to work with and the kind of types of projects we want to work with so um it's basically a kind of combination of stuff to help uh kind of a toolkit of open source stuff to kind of kick off projects um which need things like um kind of api gateways and user authentication and a whole bunch of stuff um, it's kind of nebulous at the moment but um but that's one of the main projects I'm working on right now. Okay, so is that um, that platform? Is that something like, a, yeah, basically like a backend as a service kind of thing? Sort of, not not quite, but um, basically a bunch of tools to help us basically do the stuff that we have to do every time for clients. But that isn't that interesting, right? Like, mm -hmm. how do we authenticate APIs that we create? How do we help uh, customers expose? maybe internal APIs they have um, in a secure way. How do we do like user management, like user creation and integration into um, any kind of user systems a company may already have, that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. um, okay. So basically a bunch of tools that um, are, I think, going to be open sourced or certainly significant chunks of them are, um, so that we can kind of take them to new projects and say, hey, we've already done the grunt work on you know, this, this hard and boring stuff, like relatively boring stuff is basically done um, so we can jump right into the interesting stuff that makes your project you know, right, right. interesting. So. Yeah, yeah that, that's, that's great. That sounds really good. Is that, is that going to be open uh, to like open source developers? or? I'm not exactly sure. Um, so I, don't, I wouldn't want to say either way. I, certainly components of it will be. Um, I'm just not, I'm not really sure how we're going to play that. But yeah, certainly everything we do, we try and open source really as much of as we can. So certainly chunks of it will be. Right. Okay, so let's go, uh, let's get uh, into Ampersand. So what, what is Ampersand JS? So Ampersand is sort of a framework-ish. Um, I mean, it definitely fits into the you know class frameworks, I guess, for front-end dev. Um, it basically started as a sort of fork of Backbone um, that fit more nicely with the way we like to develop, which is kind of small modules that you can uh, publish to NPM and install and use Browserify to kind of build client-side apps. Um, but Backbone doesn't really play nicely in that model. So we kind of initially started splitting out the kind of Backbone components. Um, and then over time, you know, internally we'd been using a sort of evolutions of it for a long time, but um, building out some of the things like models and views to be more powerful um, without trying to create a huge kind of framework on top of Backbone, just kind of making the components themselves, um, yeah, more powerful and kind of composable with each other. So. Yeah, it's kind of back, like an evolution of Backbone, I guess, is one way to think about it. Um, but that also fits really well in the kind of Browserify, NPM, small modules world. Yeah, okay. I don't know if that was a good description of it right now. But. <laughs> well, 
Yeah, no, I, I think so. I think so. It, um, basically, it's yeah, it's just back to me. I would say I would kind of summarize it as backbone, componentized, <laughs> yeah, and modularized for browserify, and also um, extended a little bit to the way how you how you use backbone or used yeah. to use backbone. Yeah, although it's all. Extended a little bit in terms of functionality, although a lot of it's been rewritten internally. But it kind of exposes a very similar feel and interface to Backbone. Yeah. Oh, okay. So, why did you re rewrite a lot of it? So the the basic piece was improving the kind of core of what are like Backbone models. Um, so first of all, making them work with um, like JavaScript getters and setters. So rather than doing dot get attribute like you do in Backbone, you can just use direct getters and setters. Um, and then uh, some other you know, changes to mod, like Backbone models. Um, and that became ampersand state, which is kind of the core of Backbone models, but without the rest stuff. So without actual talking to API, it's just a way of representing some kind of state in the browser. We kind of realized that, that it made sense to build views on top of that, so that views are actually stateful things. Um, or not stateful things, but they're built on top of ampersand state. So that involved, you know, rewriting a good chunk of views, and there's a lot of extra stuff in views as well that you, would, you don't get in Backbone. So, so yeah, just kind of that shift from to moving views over to be on this state thing is kind of a big shift. So okay, so do you actually um, use use that for everything? Like, I mean, of course, you would use it for like um, a really rich client um, application, but do you? Would you recommend and would you use it instead of jQuery plugins, for instance? Like just, you know, use maybe ampersand state and uh, with a little view or something together to yeah. just represent like little v widgets. I mean, so like the, with the only caveat really being browser support, we basically have decided that um, ampersand is IE9 plus or is it 8 plus? Gosh, I can't remember. It must be 9 plus. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, it is. Um, so that's the one caveat on that. But in terms of in terms of doing that, yeah, I mean, the, one of the big one of the great things about ampersand is you can just say, oh, I just need to represent a little bit of state with some events, and I don't need all of a router and views and stuff that I would get if I copied in all of Backbone. And we don't have a dependency on jQuery, so it means that, like. I think out of the box, the ampersand, I mean, this is kind of a dumb comparison anyway, but out of the box, the kind of demo app on ampersand is smaller in bytes than jQuery is on its own. So it means if you just, if you just want to grab a few bits of a few components and plug them together, um, you can do that really easily with NPM and Browserify. So yeah, it's great for building out little widgets and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, doesn't Br Browserify also add a lot of extra stuff on top of that? Even if you if you just you know if you t take a tiny ampersand module no. state or whatever and then it's a if you it depends um, browserify shims a bunch of node stuff like buffer right um, so if the code you're if the code you're including depends on buffer in some way or uses buffer then you'll end up pulling in a shim of buffer which is like thirty kilobytes okay. uh, but at the moment, the only ampersand module that actually touches buffer is the router, and that's a sub-dependency which I'm currently working on getting fixed, which doesn't need to use buffers. So, okay. um, yeah, the overhead on Browserify is pretty minimal. I mean, it's 
it's small, but it's not. It's not significant at all, and the benefits you get from being able to build stuff in that way is totally worth a few bytes. So, in my opinion, anyway. <laughs> right. So, so why did you actually? Why did you write your own framework? Did you evaluate um, the other stuff that's out there now? Because arguably, there is you know strong, uh, very popular big frameworks out there right now. So did you evaluate Angular and Ember and, you know, maybe something else before you decided to do uh, Ampersand or was there no question? It wasn't, it's kind of interesting, it wasn't really a decision to sort of one day, okay, let's sit down and write a framework. Um, the Ampersand evolved out of a bunch of stuff that Henrik had been extending already, you know, basically just by using Backbone, you end up kind of building a mini framework on top of Backbone anyway. Like, whatever company you're in, you know, you end up just extending it in various ways. And right. um, Henrik had been doing that kind of in a way that with human uh, model and human view and some um, other kind of extended Backbone components already. Right. Uh, so it kind of just came out of that and we thought, hey, we're doing this stuff internally anyway, like we're using it already and have been for years. Um, let's kind of tidy it up, add some docs, try and publicize it a bit to see if it's useful for anyone else because we know there's people who, um, I mean the most obvious win, like people we can win over with Ampersand is people who have used Backbone and hit some frustrations with it and really like, like Browserify and NPM and really want to be able to use that stuff. Um, but find Backbone and jQuery kind of frustrating in that world. Um, so yeah, it's not, um, I don't know. It's, kind, it's definitely like an evolution of the Backbone way of doing things rather than a whole brand new, like, from scratch framework, so. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so it's basically, it just organically became became that. Yeah, I mean, we've been using a lot of the code that's in Ampersand for for years internally, and other people have been using it already, so. Um, yeah, so. right, in, in that human JavaScript uh, form. Basically. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. And a, most, a, a significant chunk of the code is just, you know, direct translation from human stuff into, into ampersand, just with some later modifications and stuff. Okay, so, so why would you say should developers choose ampersand over something else um gosh that's the like million dollar framework question isn't it <laughs> um, <laughs> i don't know i don't yeah i don't know like i i don't have i don't have like a strong philosophical like uh hatred of of any of the front end stuff um i think it just depends kind of what what fits for you um we're kind of somewhere in the middle ground of being um, like quite flexible. We're not, you know, we're not trying to dictate this is exactly how you should build your app. It's like here's a bunch of really useful components, and kind of you have to figure out how to plug them together. We'll give you some guidance based on the way we do stuff, but it's not, it's not the Ember world, which is like if you do it this way, it will be awesome, and if you don't, it will hurt, right? Yeah. yeah, um, yeah. And I think one of the things that we I don't know, is, is nice for us. Um, well, firstly, like Browserify and NPM, as I've already said, like is great and just really fits for us. Um, 
But also, like, the source code isn't crazy. Like, I have done some commits to the Angular source code, and, like, it's intense, right? There's a lot of regular expressions in there, which isn't a bad thing, but it's like, if you're a user of the framework, it's a whole other level to actually understand what the hell it's doing. Um, whereas I don't think that kind of jump is quite so significant for us. But, I mean, the, the big win, as I said, is, like, if you're a backbone developer who's frustrated with it, like, you might find ampersand gets rid of a lot of those frustrations um, without you having to completely shift mindset, you know? Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. I mean, I, I don't think that there's really uh, any argument to say that any of the of the big frameworks are the, you know, like, there. you can't really say that there's one that is the best or whatever. It really... Like you said, it has to it has to click with you and your personality and your team, yeah. And, and once uh, and that's it because they're all they're all valid options. Yeah, <clears throat> I'm get, like personally, I'm getting pretty bullish on uh, on React as a view layer. I think I've been doing some playing, and I think ampersand like data layer, like models and collections and stuff plugged into uh, into the React as a view layer. I think is could be a winner, but. There's, I've still got some experimentation to do with that, but yeah, it's interesting. Cool, sounds interesting. So, yeah. do you, do, what do you, why do you think it is a winner? Is it is it the performance improvement that you like, or no? I mean, we've like the way we do views in ampersand is pretty is pretty performant. Um, it's something I don't know. Like having played with React initially, it just is weird, right? The whole JSX syntax and it's just bizarre the first few times you try it, but. Mm -hmm. um, there's something about like the conceptual simplicity of it, um, which is just like you just define a render function, and and that render function will always be called right, rather than having to bind to loads of events and bind data to specific elements and stuff. Um, I don't know, something about it um, just really fits fits well for me anyway. And uh, in terms of just keeping complexity down in the view layer, which is always the bit which gets messy, right? Like bindings and events and like how do you instantiate views how do you make sure you clean up after them properly and that kind of stuff a lot of that stuff just seems to disappear with react it's interesting okay so so that that gets automated or or yeah yeah okay interesting i didn't really know that okay so a lot of the work that sounds it sounds a little bit like Uh, what Ember is trying to do all around in the framework, where you, where you just have to you reduce the amount of code that you that you have to write because there's lots of good defaults. Is it working with kind of mm -hmm. defaults or not really? It's more. I don't know. I'm not. I'm definitely not the best person to be doing this description. But um, for me, it almost feels more like the. Yeah, it's not about defaults or writing less code. It's more just like. It's a different way of attacking the problem, and it kind of strips out a whole bunch of complexity. It means you just don't have to think about it. Um, okay. So you can kind of describe you can describe your views in a way that means they'll just kind of work. I don't know. Go play with it a few times. Yeah. A few times it'll hurt your brain, and then you'll go, "Oh, this like I just want to use this now." Uh, okay. But it only provides the view layer, right? So that's why I think it's interesting to plug into like um, yeah. whatever for for data stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I find it interesting. I, I I didn't check it out yet properly. I, it sounds like I should. That's for sure. Um, so so are all your products built? So basically, you answered that question already. But they're all built with some sort of 
um, iteration of ampersand basically because you use backbone and uh, browser yeah UI. yeah pretty much um, I think I mean if a specific if a client specifically needed you know something built on something else we would we would manage just fine but um, oh so you so you do stuff like that like you you would for a client you you built you would use a different framework to build their product if they really needed it that way if you like the client or how does that work yeah i mean our our kind of our big focus and where we have a lot of experience is real time web stuff so if oh. someone did some experts in real time web stuff and they wanted to build an angular like we'd figure it out for sure oh okay or we'd tell them to use this so <laughs> <laughs> yeah see what's stuck <laughs> What is the best way to get started with ampersand then? If people um, are intrigued, if people are intrigued um, on our site, um, there's some uh, some learn pages, um, which kind of explain some of the some of the philosophy and some of the basics. Like if you're new to npm and Browserify, which I know a lot of front end people are, um, I wrote a guide on that and a guide on templating and stuff. Just some kind of background stuff that if you're new to this stuff would probably be useful. Um, and beyond that, there's the uh, CLI, the ampersand CLI. Kind of, you can use that to generate like a starter app and start playing with it. Um, to be honest, like some of our kind of new user documentation and kind of uh, example apps could use a bit more work. Um, so you can always hop into the AndYet um, IRC channel on Freenode and say hi, and we'll help you out. Um, I mean, if you've got experience with Browserify or Backbone, like it should be should be pretty clear what's going on, and the benefits should immediately be pretty obvious. But if you're not um, and you're struggling, just give us a shout, and we'll see what we can do. Cool. Yeah, I I'm I actually tried tried out that example app and played around a little bit, um, uh, played around with it a little bit, and uh, and I also read. I also read the original Human JavaScript oh, book. Of course. Sorry. Yeah. There's also. Um, yeah, we've ported the book over to be all the examples are in ampersand now. Um, right. Gosh, what's it even called? Human JavaScript by Henrik. Um, yeah. That's a pretty good. Yeah. Actually, that's probably the best place to start. It kind of breaks down single page apps with backbone, breaks down all the components and how they work together, and uh, and you know. Shows the examples of an ampersand and stuff, so that's another good place to start. Yeah, um, yeah. I actually read that book uh, when it was non ampersand, <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. I, and I really, uh, I really enjoyed that book. It's really, it's a really, um, again, also again for people who are not necessarily coming from a big like IT background, because Henrik also kind of explains. What MVC means and in, in how you work with Backbone or Ampersand, mm -hmm. and um, that's pretty helpful, I think, for many people. I guess the other uh, the other thing I should give a plug to is we are still running uh, fairly frequently like front end training. Um, gosh, what's the name even called now? I think it's called Human JavaScript Live, um, and it's basically like build an app from scratch in Ampersand kind of following the concepts from the book, coupled with a whole heap of like crazy experience stuff that will blow your mind. So if you're in the US, that's another thing to look out for. Cool. Um, and uh, yeah, so so in that in that um, setup for like that mini app 
example uh -huh. app that you have in the AppAsent uh, CLI. Uh -huh. The kind of fake API or, or mock API that's used there and um, the whole build process is built with a custom tool that, that Henrik wrote, I guess, uh, called Moonboots. Uh -huh. And I was wondering if there's any... I, I guess it's, you know, you, you use it because, you know, he built it. It's also organically grown from, from out of your company and all that stuff. Uh -huh. And I was wondering, because all those things can be easily done with Gulp or Grunt as well. I was wondering uh, if, if you ever contemplate to, to maybe implement it with one of those tools. Because I think that it would just, would, would be easy. Because that, those are very common tools now. And that would be very easy uh -huh. to kind of for people to, you know, customize it a little bit or... Um, or you know, dive into into that yeah. part of that little application a little bit. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think um, so. Moonboots is basically you can kind of think about it as almost like a it's like a pre-configured Grunt. Um, it's not using Grunt, like to be clear, but it's like doing a bunch of stuff that you would do on like we do on all our projects with right. some like Grunt, right? So like right. in development mode. It, Compiles all your JavaScript, like runs it through Browserify, concatenates any libraries, extra libraries you need. Um, does the same with CSS. Um, in production mode, it adds like cache headers and um, uh, like hash uh, like IDs to the file, like hashing the file contents for caching and stuff like that. Um, and it plugs into like Express or Happy or whatever. Um, so. For us, it's like a kind of drop in and go, right? You just like have some mi minor configuration, and and you've got all that stuff that you need, which you'd have to set up from scratch with Grunt or Gold. Um, which isn't to say those things are bad. It's just like what we. Oops, hello. Hey. Oh, you were you were gone there for yeah for a little bit. I'll just carry on. Um, so yeah, people think there's something you know special about Moonboots. Um, when really all it's doing is like running Browserify and doing some extra stuff. Um, mm -hmm. All of which you can do with Gulp or Grunt. So, yeah, I think we should um, create some examples. We had a few people asking about that, um, showing how to do this stuff in Gulp or Grunt. But the truth of the matter is, like, it's just using Browserify. So if you can find a guide for how to use Browserify with Gulp or Grunt, like, it's the same. So. Um, yeah, and it, you also have to uh, run Templatizer. I think it's called. Right. Yeah, for compiling templates. Yeah, um, the templates. You can do that with Browserify transforms too, um, right? Which I think is is maybe a better way of doing it. Um, it kind of does it all on the fly as part of Browserify. So, um, yeah. But I, obviously, one of the challenges for people looking at ampersand if they haven't used Browserify before is they have to understand all that stuff too. Um, which once you get your head around it is is awesome whether you're using ampersand or not. But um, if you're not, like it's another concept to get your head around. So it's kind of an interesting. Uh, it's a massive win for some people, and at the same time, it's kind of a source of confusion for others. So, yeah, 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 uh, I I agree. But for me, I I got in, I got into Browserify um, after digging a little bit into Node and kind of mm. learning about that world. Yeah, that's when you kind of get hooked on this whole Common JS format for yeah. for for your modules because it's so clean. And yeah, yeah. So 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 that's I guess many people. That get into Node, then also learn about Browserify, and then they want Browserify, want to use it, and stuff like that. But if you don't know off that, yeah, really exactly. Yeah. Like if you're a front-end developer, and you're like battling, you know, how do I, how do I keep my code? Like, just why do I have to keep attaching stuff to window? Like, how do I make modules that I can actually reuse? Like, 
require JS. I just like really couldn't get on with. You know, like it's frustrating. You want a solution and you can't find it. And if you've if you've experienced with Node, like you get it, right? You see Common JS, it makes sense. It's right. really clean and and browserifies the thing. But I think for a lot of people in purely front end, you know, experience, there's you know, you won't necessarily come across browserify. And when you do look at it, it's like Node for the browser, which is kind of confusing because it's more like <laughs> Common JS modules for the browser with also some Node stuff, right? So that's yeah. how it is anyway. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, so the ampersand CLI gives gives that structure, and uh, but it doesn't make any suggestion on what kind of database you would hook it up to. Um, is there any um, backend structure that you guys recommend? Is there a specific framework on the backend that you like or that that works really well with ampersand, or does that really don't matter. So, I mean, out of the box, ampersand is pretty flexible um, anyway. Um, it's got all the backbone conventions, so it'll talk to like RESTful servers perfectly fine. So like, um, I've been using backbone with Rails in my last job perfectly well, um, works really nicely. Um, we're, we're a node shop, so we use Happy um, as our kind of API servers. Um, which is like a like Express, but newer and I don't know. Isn't lot. it built on Express? No, no, no. It's like a replacement for Express. Oh, really? Oh, I thought similar it was built in, on top of it. No, similar in kind of purpose, but yeah, completely, completely separate. Um, oh, cool. Very well battle tested. Um, Walmart use it for their like Black Friday, right? <clears throat> stuff without without hitch. So, mm -hmm. yeah. and we got some guys on that team too, so it works really well for us. So yeah, we use Happy and. Uh, and React or Postgres or whatever else we need, depending on you know what product we're using, like what kind of product we're building. But um, but yeah, I mean, any you should be able to plug ampersand into. Any, yeah, so uh, it's basically yeah, you can hook it up to a REST API and that's yeah, it. yeah, or WebSockets or whatever. Yeah. Right. Cool. Okay. Well, um, that's it basically for my uh, for my questions. Um, I would like to go into the picks now, which is something that I stole from JavaScript Jabber and some of the, <laughs> some of the podcasts uh, that that do picks at the end of the of the episode. I really just like that, so I just kind of co-opted it. Um, so yeah, so did you do you have any picks? So I wasn't really sure what you meant by picks. Um, oh, okay. You said things I enjoy or I care about. So It could be anything. It doesn't yeah. matter. Just three things. Okay. Well, my three things then are um, hacking on dumb stuff is like one of my big, I don't know, uh, indulgences in a way. So like loop was an example of a dumb thing, right? It's like this stupid idea and it's like got no practical work purpose at all. But um, the number of things I like had to experiment with and learn and like rethink ways of doing things that now make their way into the work I do um, is kind of interesting. So is there yeah. is there another example besides loop? Um, gosh, there are loads, but my brain is struggling right now. Um, I've done a bunch of hacking on like WebRTC stuff. Um, I made a stupid thing that would place the Nyan cat face over your face on okay. video. 
and uh, as you speak, it like moves its mouth. But um, just like stupid stuff that doesn't really have a purpose, but that you kind of experiment with things is interesting to me. Cool. Um, beyond that, uh, my wife, obviously, I enjoy and care about. <laughs> That's great. And uh, our 16-week-old puppy has got to be my third thing because he's uh, adorable and uh, crazy-making. So... Uh, He's a, a bundle of uh, madness in our house right now, but he's fun too. Cool. Sounds fun. <clears throat> um, okay, so I also have some picks. Uh, uh, um, so right now, um, I'm. Uh, I really, I just, had, I just picked them last at the last minute. I really didn't think about the picks too much, but um, yeah. So my first pick is um, is as a TV series called um, Sleepy Hollow, um, which I actually re really uh, surprisingly enjoy. I don't really like Sleepy Hollow. I, used to, I, I guess it's like an old story and an old movie that is about um, demons rising up and then, you know, uh, this guy fighting back or something <laughs> like that. But yeah. um, they made a series out of it and... <clears throat> And I just, I don't know why I started watch, watching it, or, or I, I guess uh, I had nothing else to do, and I watched it, and it was really, actually got really caught up in it. I really enjoyed it because it has a very diverse cast, and uh, I found that very interesting. There's an African-American woman, and then this uh, British dude that is like, they're the two main characters, and then there's her sister, which is also African-American, and then there's the police guy who's also African-American, and, and it just feels... Um, a little different from from the typical kind of American series, so oh. I, f I found that very very interesting, and and it's it's just also very well written and acted, and it's just very funny and also a little bit frightening at the same time, which normally I'm not a big fan of, but um, in this case, it's <laughs> it's really cool, and um, then I, the second pick is. A series of books, seven seven books, which I'm listening to on Audible. They're called they're the Iron Druids Chronicles. Um, they've been picked by Aaron Frost, I think, on JavaScript Java already. Um, that's why I actually got that tip from, and I started listening to it. And uh, they're really, 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 really cool. It's about this druid that is uh, on Earth right now, and he is like 2,000 years old, and how he um, has to. Uh, go on all kinds of missions and fight gods and <laughs> and uh, has a vampire friend and all this kind of stuff. It's it's just uh, performed really well in that uh, in that audiobook. I really enjoy that. And my third pick would be um, the Human JavaScript book from Henrik because I I really um, enjoyed reading it and it was and it's a short it's a pretty pretty short read <clears throat> and for me personally. Because I am somebody who um, I taught myself basically how to use JavaScript. I came from PHP to jQuery to, you know, now more complex JavaScript and stuff like that. And um, and it filled filled in a few blanks for me, just just like your oh. your talk actually also did. And um, yeah, so that's my that's my third pick. <laughs> and <laughs> yeah, and um, I, did, uh, I feel like I did a poor choice of my picks for you there. <laughs> uh, what? No. I mean, for me, I mean, I should maybe I should have said maybe uh, you know like things that like I don't know. 
I, I don't know how I could have described it better, but I think that, I think that for me the picks are something that's also interesting just to get context on um, on you, you know, like um, like the things you like or whatever. Like I think it's it's cool to have that to have that in in the podcast to to kind of just uh, get a little bit of a feeling for who you are and you know just to add add context. Um, yeah, but. Uh, I also added this music pick thing. So um, I told you that I would like to have a music pick from you. So what is your music pick? Um, I don't know how to pronounce the band name. It's spelled S-O-H-N. I guess it's Son or Son or something. And oh, that... I just heard of, I heard from them uh, today, uh, yesterday or so. Uh, a colleague of mine just went to a concert. Oh, cool. Yeah. And the track is The Wheel. Okay. I don't know how I came across it on audio, but um, every time it comes on, it, I don't know. I like it, so that's my pick. What kind of music is it? I don't know. You'll have to play it. I'm not very okay. good at genres. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. Cool. Yeah, I'm gonna play it at the end uh, after the after the outro of the show. Um, I'm going to my music pick is going to be um, is going to be a track called Caribbean by by an artist uh, called Agent Lexi, which is actually my wife because uh we actually had an ep release today it's a release oh, day nice. for us which is really really uh funny yeah the, the podcast recording is on the same day um yeah um we've like she's been doing music for a long time and i'm kind of uh helping out in the background doing various things and uh, of course i got to pick you know the our track yeah. <laughs> and it's of course also a great track so i'm gonna gonna add that stuff uh at the end Cool. Okay, so um, that's that's that. That's a wrap. So where can people where can people find you? Um, where on Twitter, your website, and all that stuff. Um, my website is latentflip.com. Um, I have a periodically updated blog, which isn't very regularly updated, but there's some good articles on there, I think. Um, and my Twitter is uh, Philip underscore Roberts. All right. Awesome. So um, I am Distilled Hype on Twitter, and I also have a website called distilledhype.net, uh, yeah, where I post links and, and short articles. And um, um, this podcast will be, um, will be up on the podcast, by the way, is called Descriptive. Which uh, also, <laughs> which a name that uh, it's a name that my, my wife came up with, which I find pretty cool because it's also about JavaScript. Hey, <laughs> and uh, so <Sorry. laughs> it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be on descriptive.audio. Cool. Yeah. So people can find the show notes there and uh, all that good stuff. Cool. Cool. Thanks for coming on, man. Well, thank you. So, like I said during the show, I'm going to play our music picks right now. Um, the first track is The Wheel by Zone, and the second one is Caribbean by Agent Lexi. Enjoy! Ooh.
I'm friendly, black girl bleaching, Georgia peaching, Grunt for the star, but you're far from reaching. Young girl teaching, kids them sleeping, mind get blue with the things them peeping. Life worth keeping, husband creeping, fall back asleep, make your things say you're dreaming. These motherfuckers are just so scheming. Bright lights on, got the headlights beaming. Double double up, cut it, tug them teaming. Another boy down, and a mother start screaming. These dreams can't make you a man, but if you want some brand, it can put paper in your hand. 
streets 